Hey, Jason Rice from Lot Pop. This is another Lot Party episode. Again, Lot Party shows all about what you can do on your virtual lot to stir things up, drive more traffic, be, get more exposure on your inventory, be better in process management. And part of the show is we do a weekly feature dealer of the week. This is Shop Automotive Group out of Denver, Colorado. They do a phenomenal job. I literally, over the decades, have been into probably over a thousand dealerships over those years, and they're definitely one of the top uh, dealers, probably top three dealers I've been into across the country. They run a op uh, great operation at their Honda, BMW store, one price operation too. They do a phenomenal job. If you'd like to see your plate up there, I mentioned in the show, send us your plate. Address is at uh, lotpop.com. Just go to contact us. Again, all these episodes are on iTunes. Um, go to Lot Party or Lot Pop either on iTunes and or uh, SoundCloud if you happen to have a, a Droid device. Uh, also, go to YouTube and all the shows are uploaded at Lot Pop uh, channel on YouTube and also the Auto Dealer Live Network also has all our episodes. But in this episode, uh, we're going into October, into October, November, and December, which is sometimes those slower months in a lot of markets. And some dealers, you know, end up waiting. If their inventory is aging up, they'll end up waiting to the selling season, January, February, March, to help clean up their inventory. But don't wait then to clean up your inventory. Use those months to be profitable to make some good growth. So use these months to get better processes in inventory management and to clean up that inventory. So we, when we do go into bigger selling season, January, February, March, tax season and stuff, use those months to make money not to just clear out your aged inventory problems and so on this episode a while back I put five actually six tips together to help you manage that inventory more effectively and to be able to be more profitable volume and gross our dealers their average turn is 14 days our top dealers average turns over 20 I know 20 could be a little too fast and we're trying to build that up for those dealers but these are the same tips that you can utilize to get the same results clean up your inventory so watch these tips after the tips auto dealer live is next Thanks. I've been able to travel the country and been in thousands of dealerships. And I know the dealerships that I mostly go to that are struggling with gross and volume, it's not because they're cheap priced in their fresh inventory and losing gross that way. The reason is they're pushing out too much aged inventory. And the reason why a car ages is because we lose focus on it or we tried the hope and change mode. And what I mean by that is we usually will focus on two areas as a used car manager because we're so busy wearing every, all these different hats. One area, when we sit down and manage our used car inventory, is the fresh stuff, photos, price, descriptions, get them online, and we make sure that those are taken care of. The second place, because we're scrambling, that we focus on is our aged inventory and make sure that those things are getting out of there. But what, what you lose focus of a lot of times is those middle bucket cars, the 20 to 45, 50 day old cars, because they're no longer on your radar. And a car ages again because we lose focus and they end up bleeding through because we're doing that type of pricing or because we don't want to face the realities of that car and take a hit on it on a fresh inventory. So we, we put it out there for a little bit longer than we want to and hope, and hope that somebody pays too much of it or, for it or the market changes. So one of the areas that will help you improve your used car operations is actually tracking and trending out where you're selling your inventory out of. What percentage are going out zero to 30 and what percentage is going out 60 plus. And here's a chart here of what we do with our dealerships that actually week after week we look at the last two weeks of sale rate and look at what percentages we're pushing out. The goals are this. The zero to 30, you want that. Our top, top performing stores will push 60, 70% of their sales 
out in the first 30 days. If you can lease that, get up that to 50%, you're doing okay. Then the 60 plus, you wanna be pushing out 10% or less. So if you trend and track that out, you're gonna know exactly where you're at, and then you're gonna make adjustments throughout the week to make sure you're hitting the, and obtaining those goals. And as again, you can see on this trend, you can see that green line going up, we're pushing out more fresh inventory, and what that does is gives us more gross profit. So again, that's our first tip of five on how to improve your used car operations with things that you can control. Thanks. Like I said, this is the second video of five video series. In the first video, I went over that how you want to track and trend where you're selling your units out of. What percentage are going out zero to 30? What percentage are going out 60 plus? And Every dealership that I go into that struggles with gross and volume, it's not because they cheap sold fresh inventories because they have too much going out aged. And so the reason why a car ages is we lose focus on it. So the second tip, again, the first one was trending out and figuring out where we're pushing it out and then we're gonna do re react to it to make those changes and that's what we're going over here. But the second tip is the reason why it ages is we lose focus. Most, all my dealers actually use V-Auto, but there's other systems out there like First Look AAX and other pricing tools out there. But when we go into their V-Auto, the first place that I go to to address inventory is I sort it by last price change. And again, if you go into dealerships that's struggling or if you look at your own inventory, a lot of times we're going to see cars that are haven't had a price change 30, 40, 50 days. Because again, we addressed it day one, we price changed it day or we put a price on it day one, but because it's not aged yet, we lose focus. So I go in there, sort it by last price change, and any car that haven't, hasn't had a price change in two weeks, we're going to attack and we're going to look at it and see if we need to make an adjustment. Because in two weeks, the market can change. Right now, the market I've seen drop one to three percent in that two week window. So we're pulling up cars that we changed price two weeks ago. We're adjusting it and we went from 97% to 100% in two weeks. So now we're readjusting it back down and we might be at 97% again, but the market drops 3%, we're dropping 3%. So my tip is to improve your used car operations to prevent cars from bleeding through for something that you have total control of, sort your inventory. Look at the last time you addressed that car and did a price change. If that car is not getting activity after two weeks at that price, attack that car and start making changes. So if you go into your inventory, address cars that price every other two weeks, attack that inventory, start changing those prices, you'll have less cars bleed through in age. And again, that will increase your used car operation. That will increase the amount of cars going out fresh. Thanks. I'm going to go over the third point of how to improve your used car operations that you have total control of. Every morning you probably show up and you drive through your lot and do a physical lot walk in a way. And you go look out for holes, you go look out for cars missing plates and deflated balloons and dirty. And you make sure the porter or whoever on that lot or do a lot party and rearrange it. But we make sure that lot's standing tall for those incoming customers. But what a lot of dealerships don't do is their virtual lot walk. Go online and see how your cars look there. There's so many times that we do a virtual lot walk for a dealership and we see photos that are blurry. We see photos that the car's upside down or there's fingers in the photos blocking the car. Or I've even seen the wrong thumbnail, a Corvette thumbnail when it should be a truck. You got to go out there, do your virtual lot walk, make sure your photos are standing tall, make sure they're in a good order to drive VDPs and, and, and leads, and make sure your comments match up 
to your descriptions. Again, so many times I've seen a car with a roof in the photo, not in our comments. That is costing your search results. Somebody's looking for a sunroof, you're not there even though that car has it. Or vice versa, we put sunroof in our comments and there's no picture of it. Customer can't validate it's there, they might not waste the time to make the trip if they can't see it. So do your virtual lot walk, make sure your cars are standing as tall, if not taller online, because you're gonna get 100 times more people online than you would your physical lot. That right there will help your inventory turn, you get more exposure, you're gonna get more leads. That, again, will improve your gross at your dealership. Thanks. All right, so we're going to go over what an SRP and a VDP means. These are stats that are on sites like AutoTrader, Cars.com, CarGurus, and maybe your own website. But what an SRP is, is a search result page. So basically when the customer does a search on AutoTrader, Cars.com, and they have 25 or 30 cars listed there, if your car is one of those on that page, that's a search result page. Now, some Cars.com will include you even if you're on page three or four sometimes. Some of those sites do. Now, that's an SRP, that's an opportunity for your customer to see your car. A VDP is when they actually go through that list, see your car, and click on it to get more details. They go to the vehicle detail page, that's your VDPs. The more VDPs you get, the more phone calls, emails, and people that should be showing up on your lot, the more sales. But in order to get that VDP, you need to get the SRPs. So I tell dealers that you need to be looking at these SRPs and VDP stats daily. Your total, how much you're doing for the store, and is it going up or down? And look at it, the individual cars and see how those cars are reacting to the market. Do we have a bad, are we having bad stats? So do we have a bad price, bad photos, bad descriptions? So if you can track and trend out, we could see an example here of what your, what your SRPs and VDPs look like on a, on a weekly basis. So I said, look at them daily, but track them weekly. And if you're taking some dips during the week, make an adjustment in your inventory so at the end of the month you're not wondering why business is slow. And business might have been slow because you didn't have the SRPs and VDPs that you had the month prior. There's other things that drive the SRPs and VDPs. I'm going to go that in a deeper dive in another video. I've, I've gov covered uh, SRPs and what drives those in another video if you want to check that out. But again, look at your SRPs, VDPs daily on your total inventory and individual cars. And then that right there, once you start managing and monitoring those, you're going to maybe be able to make adjustments, which will get you to help turn your inventory quicker, which then should drive your gross profit and volume. We're going to go over the turnaround time of your inventory. That turnaround time is so crucial to have success at selling cars fresh. Get to that 60-70% selling in the first 30 days, which drives your gross profit. And that goal should be no more than three, five days tops. Three to five days. I know in reality it's probably for you at seven, 10 to 14 days. And a lot of that has to change. Your gross profit is driven by selling fresh inventory. And in order to do that, you need these cars photoed, price description, and online. I have dealers that have 150, 200 cars and they're doing it within about a 72 hour turnaround time. Now again, that's all process driven that we're gonna have to manage and monitor. There's some things out there that can help you do this. There's companies out there like Rapid Recon that will track all those things. There's in your V Auto, there's a life cycle summary that you can start tracking and trending those things out. Or you can do something like an Excel spreadsheet. And that's what that dealer does that does it in 72 hours. They have an internal uh, Excel spreadsheet or a Google Drive doc that they have everybody have access to and they timestamp that car going through those processes. If you can shave off two or three days of your turnaround time and you times that by 12 times in a month or a year, 
that's almost extra 30 days faster these cars in a year going through. That gives you an extra month of selling every year. So if you can just shave off two or three days of that turnaround time, get cars online, photo price description better, you can increase the amount of cars you're selling fresh, which then increases your gross profit. And again, that can then also drive your volume. Hey, we just went over a five video series where we went over five things that you have total control of to improve your used car operation. Give you a little quick recap. We covered what percentage are selling by age, uh, what percentage of our solds are by age buckets. We went over knowing your SRPs and knowing your VDPs. Went over last price change, make sure we're addressing cars that we haven't touched in a few weeks. We also went over doing your virtual lot walk and making sure that the cars are standing tall. And the last thing we went over was how fast are we getting them online. There, but there's I was hinting to two things that probably should be on this list, but I didn't because you don't have total control of or those aren't things that you can go in on a daily basis and, and fix. And one of them is appraisals. Appraisals obviously affect our used car inventory. Obviously, it affects how our gross is, how our inventory sits. But we can't control it. We can't go in that day and say, hey, I want to do 10 appraisals today and take in five. We just can't control our appraisals. We also can't control what we are appraising. We can't say, hey, I want some good moving cars coming in today and I'm going to step up on them. So yes, appraisals are very important. One of the things that you have to get better at, increase that closing percentage on appraisals. But again, I just wanted to cover things that you have total control of. The second thing not on that list that is very important is stocking the right cars, going to the auction, seeking them out from private sellers, having the right inventory mix. But again, it's not a lot of our control. We can take a shopping list of 2,000 cars running to the auction, narrow it down to 50 or 100 cars we want to go there and buy, have a strategic game plan put in place of what bids and that we're willing to do. But those cars sometimes slip out from underneath our hands because the bidding's too high and we lo lose them. And sometimes we come home empty-handed or we just buy what we can get for the sale because we need 10 cars, so we buy 10 late model program cars. So we don't sometimes have a total control what we stock. And those things are very important, should be on your checklist as far as things that you do improve at your, uh, at your dealership. But again, you don't have total control of it. I hope that helps and I'll have more tips and videos on how to improve appraisals, how to stock right. But again, I don't think it's something that you could control like those other five tips that if you grind those down on a daily basis, those will improve your gross and profit and volume. Thanks.
Turn on that radio and back here. The cops ain't likely to catch up with us, not tonight. So we can all be quiet and peaceable and listen to the music. This episode of Auto Dealer Live is brought to you by TrueCar. What's up, gentlemen? Hey, how are you today, Dave Villa <laughs> and David Cribs? I wonder if anybody ever thinks that we uh, we go to like the uh, mental institution <laughs> to get you right before we because you open that way. You get. I don't have a set opening. I like to be loose. I like to be uh, fancy free. For loose and fancy free, they call it. For kids. Why would I go to the... Why would you wait? would say. That's not... Uh, no. Why would I go to the mental institute? What the hell is well, that no, supposed to No, I'm saying that your, inter- your intros are always like... You get... In, you don't Because I, like, I don't like force like, Hey, we're back again. Yeah, like, like, I mean, so you do it, yeah, this, like, so you do it this way. Like, so, okay, pretend you're yeah, me. Yeah, I pretend, pretend like I'm... Me. Like, say something like, Hey, I'm Tommy. Go ahead. You're me. Oh, okay. And we're here. We're we're here at Auto Dealer Live. How you doing, guys? Hey, everybody. <laughs> hey, you guys. Hey, everybody. Hey, boys. Baby Root. Like that. Like that. You. <laughs> oh, look, he's frozen like that. Look, That's he's awesome. froze. Frozen. That's pretty cool. <laughs> frozen. He froze. He froze. Well, dapping. Can, you can't see what we can see. Yeah, Cribs is frozen down here. Like fro- he was dapping. You were dapping. To, I was trying to, you know. It's true car, baby. Look. Yeah, look, showing off on some of our sponsors there. <laughs> Look at the big TV behind us. Look how yeah. big it is. That's that a real TV. By that touch, thing touch, is actually touch yep. it so they don't think we're in front of a green. That screen. um, that was uh, the Bucks just redid their jumbotrons and we got their old one for the back. Yes, we got the old one. Yes, we're in our new studio. Love the new set. Thank you, man. Yeah, I do too. <clears> I love it room. too. Still smells very painted. Still smells very new. It's got that new studio scent going on. <laughs> what is new paint mm. behind us? Oh, that's what it is. That was Louis uh, Armani. <laughs> Louis Armani. <laughs> it was actually Dolce Gabbana. Thank Dolce. you. Thank you. Or Dolce. So, so I think we got a um, good show. Ah, uh, you took one. Okay, never mind. You took it. Well, go ahead. No, no, no you, you took it. You said it. No, no, go ahead what, with it. some other synonyms for good? Great. Awesome. Stupendous. Fantastic. Fantastic. Phenomenal. Amazing. Amazing. We have plenty of words left. I didn't take them all. Oh, good. No, finish your thought. You're the boss. Sublime. You're the owner. Of the, you're the owner of the company and boast, the host of the show. Host of the most. Go ahead. Why does it sound echoey when I do that? It sound echoey, echoey to you guys. Can you please stop screaming on the microphone? Does it, does it feel screaming, like Tommy's high maintenance when we open the show? Yes. <laughs> Tommy's always high maintenance. I'm high maintenance now because I don't do anything else the rest of the show. So it's like I got to get it all in now. Well, it counts. And then the last five seconds of the show. Oh, that's so not true. You know, it's funny. We should do a word count sometimes because of how many talk. I, I would bet you Tommy would be surprised how much he actually talks. In the show, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, he probably talks a lot. But yeah, he talks a lot. I think you give a little like good quick comments that are like like you'll say something, but then you'll go on like a little bit of a like a jokey rant yeah. that kind of goes on for a few times, and then you yeah. repeat yourself. Poor, when it comes, why my ears cutting in? I'm out. known for his hey, Tommy. Uh, well, known for his jokey rants. <laughs> I tell you, I'm tune in rip, next week on IDL. Rip this cord out of the wall. It's gonna out be huge. That. Out of the wall, I said. Out of the wall. 
So, man, we got a great show today. We have the first of two. Next week is uh, part two with a uh, different guest um, of our principal's office panel. You know, it's been a while. It's been a minute since I've been in the principal's office. But let me tell you something, man. Um, I got a little nervous hearing the principal's office because I thought about middle school, you know, when I was in uh, seventh grade and they still were allowed to paddle your butt. Bro, I was going to say the same thing. Right. Elementary school, they had, outside the principal's office, they had a paddle oh, straight no. up pinned up on the wall. Oh, no. Well, they didn't. They, they unpinned it from the wall for me many times. And <laughs> oh, yeah. the dean of the principal. Uh, you millennials my, believe dude, that? My grandpa used to be a principal, and he every time that he had to, like, spank a kid with the paddle or whatever, <laughs> he would make them sign it. So, like, his paddle had a bunch of signatures from all the kids that he Well, mine would have multiple signatures of me on it, the, the, the paddle. But I'll tell you this, man. The, the little thing had holes in it. And I swear to you, dude, <clears throat> it stung. It's for, it's for, it's for air. <clears throat> so there's no nothing. It's to, a aer- drag. It's aerodynamic. It's nice so and aerodynamic. So you get the, the maximum amount of speed. Oh, it would hurt. Hey, Put, you like, know, a spoiler on the back of it? Just crazy in third grade check this out Ezra you I'm 44 years old you appreciate do you want to you you young 64 we're going back 44 you're 44 1961 the third grade go ahead so so yeah third grade in 1979 right seriously 1979 Mr. Whitehurst where yet Mr. Whitehurst you still alive yeah Mr. Whitehurst they were allowed to spank you in class I'm not kidding you so check this out third grade I was horrible I was a class clown and he pulled me up in front of the class and he bent me over a desk got a textbook and spanked me like three times in front of the class. There was no going to the principal's office. It was like, hey, I'm going to get spanking in front of the class. Like, awesome. Can you imagine they did that We today? bring it back. We bring fantastic. it back. I used to, in the third grade, no kidding, in the third grade, and now we'll, we'll go back to 61. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you, took it, you took it from me. Yeah. Um, well, no, actually you didn't take it from me because what did they use for a paddle back then? A stone hedge? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but I like that, huh? I, I was actually in a pod, and there were four classrooms. There were four. There were, that, they called it a pod. I know what you mean. There were four I, classrooms I was, going on yeah. at the same time. Use a dried-out tail of a beaver, dude. They, they would each face the opposite direction. Right, right. And right after recess, everyone who got in trouble in recess, they would we, all the four classes would come back in, and class would get going, and that was the time, the designated time after recess, where everybody got beat, <laughs> and uh, they would literally line them up. They had like twenty kids getting paddled every day after recess, and you know, and there were four classrooms going on. It was crazy. And we wonder why the generation that came before some other people oh, that exist. Millennial rant. Uh, wonder why they're more disciplined. Wonder why. They fight for our country. Wonder why? I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Maybe, it's nothing, maybe there's nothing to that. That you'd be lined up in front of your peers after lunch. After you have a nice lunch, you go to recess. You're on the monkey bars playing around, and then you know you got to go in and get corporal punishment in front of your friends. Hey, if you're listening today, still weigh in. Still. <laughs> weigh in. No, said still, if you didn't shut it off already. Hey, ha- weigh hashtag in. Spanked. Yeah. Hashtag hashtag auto deal live. Hashtag spanking. No, but hashtag slash tag as well. Because these things have been dry. Slash tag. These things have been dry as crap. Tell them, Ezra. Tell these them. These things please. are drier than a dinosaur's turd right now because <laughs> they straight up. Y'all are not being funny anymore, and y'all used to be all about it. Well, and you know what? It makes it got too serious. It's too serious bit, now. People are getting a little bit mad at Tommy. They're you know, taking it out of them. But listen, real quick, if you're watching now, we'd love to hear you tweet about your experience in the principal's office. All right. And I'm talking about the principal's office. If you have an experience <laughs> in that, give us your experience. And uh, but speaking of guys, as we shift gears here, we only have a minute or two before we have to um, uh, move on to the segment. Uh, you know, we have a great group of dealer principals on this week. And then we have another great group on next <coughs> week for the principal's office. Um, part one and part two. That's where we were before. And we're going to be discussing, um, really, we're going to be discussing some really cool stuff. We're going to be talking about competitive environment, you know, um, what should, you know, GMs and GSMs be focused on. We're going to talk about, 
Today we're going to talk about desk manager, you know, and uh, you know, and, and we're going to be talking about uh, short deals and, and you know some of the some of the tricks of the desk and some of the, yeah. you know, is it is it effective or not for the dealer principal? And we're going to talk about a lot of things, um, you know, auto loans where they're at and how they're you know. Uh, how they're playing out this year. So we're going to talk to these principals about this. But if you have some questions you'd like ask, we want to open up the phone lines today. I didn't even really go over this with anybody, but I think we're good to do it. If you guys can get this, the number up, 813-574-1820. It's on the screen. I'd like to take some questions from our audience today. If you're listening and you have some questions that you'd like to ask our dealer principals or on Twitter using the hashtag AutoDealerLive, the screen in front of us, we can see your tweets. And uh, we'd like to get them on air as well. What do you guys think about today's show, man? 30 seconds before we go to commercial, you guys tell me real quick your opinions on today's show, what you expect. Well, you know, I expect to hear great things because, we're again, we're talking to GM owners. Uh, you know, it is the principal's <clears throat> office. And the cool thing about the principal's office is you can really talk about anything in the principal's office because, ultimately, they really run every single department. So there's no subject matter within the dealership that's mm-hmm. off-limits. And it's a great opportunity, especially if you can call in and get that question answered by a dealer principal. Might be a good question. Like, hey, you got y'all hiring? Yeah. <laughs> how, how do I move there? Y'all, y'all hiring? <laughs> also, real quick, shout out to uh, Kevin Campbell saying that he's only tuning in today just to provide us with quality slash tag. So Thanks, what's up, Casey. Kevin? You're, the, you're, job, the, be- you're nice. the beast, man. It's about time, Kevin. You are hey, the Tommy, beast. today's yes. show. I believe that we're going to hear smart people that know their business and they know how to convey what they do well, and if you have an open mind and you actually care about your own business, maybe you take some notes, maybe you learn something on this show. Not from me, but from other people, because I will not teach you anything. Except for... The next up, right now, before <laughs> our principal's office okay, panel, the next up on Auto Deal Live, right this very second, brought to you by Serial Sales Pro, is... I'll teach you how to slash tag. I'm just just kind of doing it for you. In honor of you. Thank you. Tommy Elwell, and welcome to IPD Cribs. Come on in. You know, every good crib has to have a great studio. So as you see, we're actually, they skew, pardon our dust, if you, you know. Uh, so we have a few extra things going on here, but we've actually expanded our studio. This is gonna be, we're finishing up here this week. This is the, uh, this is kind of the old studio, at least a portion of it. So all this is gonna be spread out. We're gonna make this look professional, we make it look like it should. And if you come in here, here we go. We got the, the main room, if you will. This is our uh, this is our, our call center and BDC. Come follow me. Dave Villa's office, you know, the big boss's office. You know how we do? Couldn't have another stitch of any other knickknack or uh, what do they call them? Tchotchke up in this piece. Stock full of tchotchkes. That's what we like to do here at IPD. We're gonna make sure that there is tchotchkes, as many tchotchkes as we could possibly fit. Got the fridge, everybody gotta check out the fridge. We got all the Pellegrinos and the Perriers. Flavor waters, come on. Aquatic, aquatic goodness. What do we have here? Some things that glow, 
some things, I don't know if they glow or if that's just, I don't know what that is actually. That's a shrimp right there. Nemo. Check me out. I'm here to work. TVs, windows. TVs and windows, very important. Like I said, again, pardon our dust. We, we just redid our, this is our break room, our lunch area. Everything's gonna be expanded. We've already expanded it. We're gonna have some new tables in here. We need to get more tchotchkes in here. We're gonna have to get some from Dave's office, tchotchkes. People are like, Tommy, you know, how, you, know, you, know you guys look like you're doing pretty good. You bet you're doing good. You know what's an indication of a healthy office? Supplies, what you need? Uniball jet streams. Fully stocked. Green screen, making movie magic. Now this, this is where the magic happens. Welcome to the sales room. You got Pinky McGee over here. We got, he's having a picnic. Go this. Maybe you've seen him before. <laughs> Think of it like he's practicing for closing a deal. That's what he's saying. He's actually using an analogy, folks, because when you open, right, what's a natural progression? What's a natural process of an open? It's to close. Dave Villa teaches it all the time. Look at this. I left this door wide open. I didn't close it. Shut the light and close it. Let's get the slash tags. Come on. Hey, everybody. Hi. How you doing? Good to see you today. I hope all, all, all y'all are doing really, really well. It's another episode of Slash Tags, and I got to be honest, um, you guys are going to be put on warning. We're going we're gonna to put out the warning now, and next comes restriction and then punishment. Okay? Warning, restriction, then punishment. Like, you're, like I'm your parent. Slash tags were a little weak this week. Gotta be honest. Because of that, I'm now going to mispronounce all of your own names as I read your tweets. So, let's begin. Mr. Arnold Tigerina said, Affliction rocks! Or something like that. And then Ed Brookins said, Arnold Tigerina, did you get, <laughs> did you get sick of Ed Hardy? Because Ed Hardy, and he did a wink. And then Ar Arnold Tigerina again said, Headphones don't work well with hearing aids because Dave's, I guess he's alluding to Dave being old and he can't hear good. I do the, do the, um, the uh, Hulk Hogan. Remember that? No. You weren't a Hulkamaniac. So Chris Benoit, Benoit, it's French, said, owner's son graduates from college and Here's a dealership. I now bequeath to you, son of mine, of my fruit of my loins, I bequeath to you ABC Chevrolet. And then the final tweet actually called us out on last week's tweets not being that funny. So imagine now we're going, we're getting deeper in the hole. Cause you know what a rut is guys? It's a grave with both ends kicked out. We're in a rut. Let's get out the rut, okay? Cause Steve Stanting said, so, you've decided to use only on funny tweets from now on on slash tags? <laughs> oh, Steve. <laughs> got a good point. So, that's all we got this week, ladies and gentlemen. Like I said, warning, restriction, punishment. So, forget Auto Deal Live. 
Let's just hashtag slash tags. Let's be funny. Let's be amusing. Don't make me come back out. Don't make me come out there and have to friggin' regulate. Straight up regulator style, like, uh, like uh, Emilio Estevez, Charlie Sheen, straight up young gun style. You want me to come out there like that? You don't want that. <clears throat> I've said my piece, but I want you to have a great day. And I love you. Bye-bye. Hey, welcome back to Auto Dealer Live. And the next up is our principal's office. And we have with us today John Marazzi, managing partner at Brandon Honda and Sun Toyota. We've got Bill Feinstein, president and dealer manager of Planet Honda. And we also have Matt Lasco, vice president of Lasco Auto Group. Welcome, gentlemen. How you doing? Hey, guys. So I'm going to hey jump guys. right in. And uh, thank you, gentlemen. We're going to go right to... John Marazzi, you know, John, I know you're here in Tampa, in the Bay Area. It's a really highly competitive market. There's several franchises of both dealerships that you operate nearby. So what do you, as, as, the, as the owner, what do you have your GMs and GSMs primarily focused on right now? What do you think is the most important thing in a heated competitive market? Well, it is a super competitive market. Uh, everybody's trying to grab share right now, and more importantly, we're trying to hold our margins. Um, what we're doing now is we're we're trying to get rid of that segregation that most dealerships have um, with the typical sales tower and sales floor, and that segregation with the service drive selling, and more importantly, the uh, the internet department. So what we're looking at is on our CRM, on our dashboard every day, we got our GSMs and our GMs in those stores looking at every internet lead, every sales call, and every piece of walking traffic. It, it really is amazing that 70% of our traffic's coming in through the internet department or through the service lane, and, uh, and most dealerships don't pay, pay attention to that at all. So. We literally, when we get a lead assigned or a lead that comes in, that lead is assigned to one of our desk managers first, and then they assign that as a secondary to one of their salespeople that's on their team. So now we don't have BDC people getting paid $13 an hour or your uh, internet managers that are handling a hundred leads a month, we now have the, you know, our desk managers involved and our salespeople involved. They're dispersed more evenly and they're looking at every single opportunity that comes in through any avenue of the store. So, I mean, if you're not doing that now, it's probably something you really want to dive into and, and get involved in. Matt Lasco, thanks, John. Hey, Matt, let me ask you that same question. I mean, it's a competitive market, as John alluded to. And it may be slightly different in Fenton, although you compete well outside into, uh, you know, into going into uh, obviously the, the, the big city. Um, but in this tough environment, you know, what should GSMs and GMs in, in this environment, Matt, be focused on? Well, I would say first, I, I agree with John. We're, we're, uh, we're focusing on, on really reviewing every opportunity, but the area that, that we're trying to, to hone in the most on is, is literally just customer experience. Uh, we feel like that if we can train our team in every department, whether it's sales, internet, office, 
service to deliver the best experience around that that will set us aside from the mediocre experience that our competitors might be offering. And uh, so we're, we're genuinely uh, dedicating all of our training into making sure we listen to a client's needs, whatever that automotive need may be, and following through with what we say we'll do at time of sale. It allows us to grow uh, the repeat referral business and, and owner loyalty that we gain is uh, where we see our growth in the future. Hmm. That's good. I had a question for Mr. Bill. You are with us, right? correct, sir? Yep. I am. How are you? Good, thank you. <laughs> I had a question. This is going to be, this is a little, This is, I'm a little selfish on this question. <laughs> not, no one else is going to know what we're talking about, but when it comes to vendors, Bill, <laughs> what do you look for in a vendor? What, what has to jump out at you to say, hey, I want to partner with that guy because he, he knows what it, that, that company's got it together. They know what they're doing. Well, I think, you know, reputation is, is very important. You know, you, you don't want to be with somebody who, um, you know, is a flat-by-night organization. You want, you want to do business with people that have been in the market for a while and have um, proven experience. Um, I think credibility uh, and trust is really, really important. I think you got to have people that, uh, on the other side of a contract, that you trust. You trust the, their data. You trust that they're keeping your data safe. Uh, and I think it's also a matter of they've got to bring some level of market expertise um, and some kind of differentiator. Uh, there's lots of different products out there. Um, doesn't matter uh, what you're looking at, whether it's equity mining, CRM, even direct mail. Uh, and, you know, you're really looking for someone that brings uh, that value-added experience. You can trust them. Uh, and I think the trust is the most important thing because – if you're really going to build a relationship with a vendor, it's got to be a partnership, and you got to trust them with your data, and you got to be able to open up with them and, and let them understand what it is you're trying to accomplish, and, and share some uh, pretty, uh, you know, pretty big goals with them, and, and help to make a relationship that's going to allow you to accomplish them. Couldn't agree more. Fantastic. Thank you, answer. thank you, Bill. And, and uh, let me ask you, um, let me ask you, John. I mean, kind of going into, I mean, Matt and I've had some discussions on this recently as well and i'm not sure if there's just one answer but you know this uh, the headache in some cases of um dealers really landing on you know a uh a, you know a dms a um and, and kind of this these woes you know when it comes to bill mentioned data i mean you know what, what do you think the answer and i mean maybe because i think that you guys probably you know talk about this a lot but what do you think the answer ultimately is you know, to this this dilemma that dealers, you know, because I got a lot of clients that I talk to all the time, and I talk to them every three or four months, and they're going through a change. You know, I mean, that's a pain in the butt, I would imagine. So, I mean, what do you think, John? Where do you think we're headed when it when it comes to dealing with a, a DMS and uh, the woes that sometimes dealers may have to go through, and then also some of the data that may be held hostage, some of these things that we we run into. I mean, do you have any in opinion on that? Uh, you know, we get as frustrated dealing with uh, Reynolds and Reynolds as everybody else. Um, unfortunately, you know, they're, they're the big guy in the room, and um, we have to adhere to them and, 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 and go by their guidelines. I, there's, you know, I'm in, a, I'm in a great NCM dealer group, and, you know, there's a lot of startups out there in different DMSs that are, some of our guys are trying or exploring. Uh, but in the end, it's just a major, major um, reconfiguration of your process in your store. And quite frankly, um, we would, 
you know, we would rather focus on trying to generate some revenue and some growth mm-hmm. and keep our customers happy right now than to tackle that big bear. Right. Um, you know, as far as data security, um, you know, there's Authenticom and several companies out there that, you know, you could trust and do. And, you know, obviously we, we have legal counsel and we have, you know, non-disclosures that everybody has to sign. But, you know, you really, as Bill said, you've got to be able to trust your vendors um, and not using the fly-by-night startups uh, will probably help you, uh, you know, somewhere along the way there. Do you have any? Do you, do you want to weigh in on that at all, Matt? Is there anything you could add to that? Or, I mean, I just think it's a little bit of a dilemma that possibly dealers, you know, it, it, some might want to avoid, you know, dealing with right now. I think John's. I don't think it's. Uh, I think it's wisdom, maybe where he's at right now that his focus is not there. But I talk to dealers a lot, you know, that are going through transitions and. It's, it's really a headache, and I don't know if a lot of them know what to do. And it's just something that wasn't a question I had down, but it was just something that popped up and, and I thought of when Bill was talking. Yeah, I, I think there's a, a ton of dealers that are in the same standpoint. We've been asking for a lot of years for a solution. Uh, our, our DMS is, and, uh, in, in, you know, the, the rentals uh, being one of them, the way that they're willing to interact with third parties, uh, the excuse would be that they're trying to protect and, and securities and information. But uh, in truth, they, they choose who they work with, and the ones that don't make it very hard for a dealer to, to mesh what they're doing. Um, kind of like a John, you have to be prepared for it as a company. Uh, if your company's not stable in every area, it wouldn't be the time to make a DMF move because it can turn everything upside down in so many departments. But if you're, a, you know, a, a real strong company that's got a lot of process in place, it can be something where you're chasing a solution. The difference is, I couldn't tell you right now a solution that beats any of the others because I feel like almost all of them have some type of a flaw, whether one's real expensive or one's inexpensive and it's not as nimble as others. Uh, but it's definitely a challenge for all the dealers out there. Yeah, you know, and we opened up with John talking about the segregation of departments and trying to get that figured out in order to not miss opportunities. And he also talked about, um, you know, capturing leads in the service department. We know there's huge opportunity there. So, Bill, I'll, I'll go to you and ask you if there's anything at your stores that you have in place where uh, there's a more of a seamless transition or a handoff or at least some way to capture those leads coming through service. Sure. Well, we do use a traditional BDC, and, and within our BDC, we have uh, a service equity mining department, uh, and we have two full-time girls, and they're going through uh, our X-time appointments uh, every day for the next day or, or two days out, looking for customers who may be in a position to get out of their lease or loan, uh, and making appointments, bring them in. Right now, we're selling about 45 cars a month, um, but I think realistically, that should be double. Uh, we probably should be doing 90 to 100 cars a month just out of the service lane. Uh, it's uh, it, it's great. You know, it, they take a little more work uh, because the customer is not necessarily in the market. But when you do make those deals, uh, the gross profit is going to be uh, much better uh, because the customer is not out in the market shopping. So uh, they take a little more time to put together. But when they do, I think they're well worth it. Just uh, a question real quick for thank you, Bill. Question real quick for John. And just uh, I would like to get all, all your takes on this as well. And uh, before we shift, I think Tommy has a, a question on subprime here in a minute, too. But, um, you know, John, if you're measuring, you know, performance, and, and, and again, I want to get Matt's and Bill's take on this. You guys just chime right in when John's finished. But, John, if you're measuring performance, 
you know, by your desk guys. I mean, don't you have a risk that they will pass on short <clears throat> deals? Is that something that you have a risk on? You know, that's a great point. Um, you know, we use Accessa, uh, which is now owned by Reynolds and Reynolds, but <clears throat> it's a reporting software where you literally can, at a glance, see anything you want to see front end grosses per manager, back end total. You can sort it however you want. And, you know, one negative that we had when we turned on Accessa is everybody was so laser focused on their, their total PBR that they stopped taking short deals um, and bleeders because they didn't want their numbers to look bad. So what we created was what's called a top 10 report. And a top 10 report simply takes their top 10 front and back gross deals for the month and shows them on the report and what their average PBR is just on those top 10. So obviously it eliminates any negatives, it eliminates any bleeders, and, and our average is make the gross on the, on the deals you can make the gross on. The problem is, is when you get sales managers so conditioned to give cars away, they're giving cars away to people that are willing to pay a gross. Hmm. So that top 10 report ranks top to bottom by our executive managers or desk managers, whatever you call them, and it gets emailed out to everybody every day. And then what we do is we put a bonus on, at the end of the month, top three, 1500 for first, 1000 for second, and 500 for third. But now we got a guy that's not adverse to taking a short deal um, you know, when, when he knows it's really not going to make him look bad. And we stopped looking at Excessa just for that reason at that specific report. Hmm. And to your point about, I, you talked earlier about the service drive. There's so many unique things that you can do in that drive now. Um, you know, we use eLead as a CRM, and what you can do in eLead is they have what's called perfect prospect. So number one, you can pop it right up to your, da- your desk log every day, which shows the people that are coming in. But what we do is we created an email with a $25 Visa card just for an appraisal and a 250 bonus if they sell us their card within sell or trade within five days. And we inserted a code video from our lane manager with that pitch. And that goes out to all the people that are coming in the next day that align in perfect prospect. And then uh, with eLead, I'm sure with some of the other CRMs, now you can do what's called a voice drop from that same lane manager drop it on their voicemail and remind them when they're coming in the next day. So it literally is a BDC calling the people that said there's no ring. It goes on the voicemail. It's the actual guy that's doing it, and you can do it pretty much dirt cheap. So, so they're presenting... They're presented with that offer prior to showing up for their appointment. Is that correct, John? Correct. It's awesome. Was that you, Matt? Were you weighing in, Matt, or Bill? Yeah, I was I was going to jump in on the desking thing. Um, I've got a couple things that we do that, that uh, uh, kind of tie into what John will touch on. But so desking, uh, a desk manager's job is definitely to maximize every opportunity. So we do something very similar to job. We do a top five, bottom five X. Um, what we take is is every manager's top five deals and bottom five deals for the month, and stack them up on a spreadsheet, all six managers against each other, and. What that also shows is, is it'll find out if I do have a manager that's not willing to take the small deal. Um, as much as it is important that they're taking the big deal, the deal, the, the manager that does take time for the mini is the one that might cost you 
the the market share, the, the, the volume we're trying to accomplish, the trading we need, et cetera, and or turning a day around to just far a lot. We found a manager that uh, wasn't selling any uh, a negative front-end grosses, and he was the one who was passing a lot of opportunities on, on uh, page units. So you got to look at it both ways, I think, when you look at investing. Um, I love John's idea of the top ten. We do it with five. And then I also would say looking at the bottom five is another another avenue to, to take advice and, and look at. The, the other next step is take a look at just their front end versus their group and just their back end versus their group. If someone in there is way off versus the rest, there's something wrong in their process. And we usually can find it and find that avenue within desking that they're hurting themselves by not going out for the last bump or not trying to get involved in the deal early enough. And usually you can improve that desk manager by just finding that area that they're not matching up with their peers. Hmm. Let me ask Bill, do you have a, do you, you have, you want to weigh in on that at all? Do you have, you know, I, I take, taking short deals is unfortunate part of the business. Um, but at the same time, uh, we do things a little bit differently. We do measure total gross uh, every day, uh, but we also hold our sales managers accountable and they're paid on market share. So uh, while we're watching the gross, and, and uh, those of you who know me know I love gross, uh, we still want to make sure that we're owning our ASA, uh, that we're number one in our ASA, we're number one uh, in our competitor's ASA, uh, and we're, you know, we're going to incentivize our sales managers to make sure that happens every month. So we have a balance between making uh, the most of every opportunity we can, but when it's a customer that's uh, in our primary market area, we're going to do whatever we got to do to put the deal together. That's good. So, hey Matt, real quick, when it comes to, would you agree with this? Uh, the fact that maybe credit scores are on the on the uptick as, as a rule or as a trend in general. Off subject, off subject. We just came from. That was like diving into a cold pool. That was good. It was refreshing. So- it's refreshing when you dive into a cold pool, Dave. That's what it is. <laughs> so uh, back to my question for us. So really interrupted, Mister Matt Lasco. Would you agree uh, as a rule that credit scores are on the uptick? Or you could ignore me. It's Can cool. you hear Matt? I think Matt's Matt's not with us. I'm assuming. Lost him. What do you guys think? Hey, we can we can address this with um with the John or uh or with Bill. Have you are you guys seeing that? Is that an industry trend that that the credit scores are are going up? Can't say we're seeing that uh, at all. In fact, we're starting to see a slight uh, slight degradation in credit scores uh, and. Uh, what a long performance. Okay, so that's in Jersey. Okay, now what about you, John? <laughs> uh, no, I'm not, I'm not saying. I'm just saying I wonder if it's a regional thing. John, what about Florida? What does that look like for you? Yeah, I, I don't know where you've seen that data because we're not seeing that either. Uh, we, we think things are getting worse. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the consumer right now, the amount of negative equity is increasing. Uh, like credit scores are flat to down, and um, the consumer um, is in as bad a shape as they've probably been, but we got an election coming, so maybe we could do something about that. Okay, well, John, so- let me throw let me throw this out there then, John. I mean, I think that like sub subprime lenders are the ones that may be struggling right now. I mean, they're in in my mm-hmm. experience, they're continuing to fight for market share, you know, because you know more st- standard, you know, lenders, more traditional lenders are buying deeper. They're they're. I mean, don't you see that that that, that, that maybe the, some of the subprime lenders are, are struggling a little bit out there? 
Well, yeah, I mean, you know, in the real world, you have, uh, I mean, we're, we're printing money. We got, you know, public companies can borrow money dirt cheap. You have subprime lenders that can, you know, borrow low and sell high. Uh, and, and it's been a run that's lasted for, you know, a good amount of years now that, that we've enjoyed. Uh, but subprime delinquencies are ticking up right now, and the general dollar amount of subprime loans is at an all-time high. So I don't know that it's going to get better from here, uh, but uh, to your point, I do see the captives uh, getting more aggressive. Um, you know, we have Toyota and Honda, which aren't the most ag aggressive on, on your weaker score credit tiers. Um, but in general, I mean, you know, you look at Hyundai and Kia and some of these other manufacturers, uh, they're getting pretty aggressive in that area. But it's it's definitely going to be interesting, um, you know, if, if the bond market dries up for some of these subprime, you know, uh, dealers or uh, lenders out there, uh, it really could change the game. Yeah, and, and I think what you were referring to also, Dave, is the fact that, you know, these what we traditionally knew as the primary lenders are now in that secondary game heavily. And, and, and it probably is because of what John and Bill mentioned, the, you know, the credit scores continue. We continue to see kind of subpar credit scores as a big part of the market, and we can't afford to miss it. Neither can the lenders. And let's go to Matt. Are you back with us, Matt? Yes, I am. Okay. Um, I, I mean, so subprime, uh, like you said, it's almost like it's not even a subprime unless you're talking deep subprime because it, it, every bank has got some type of a program. The part that I've really been watching that I'm concerned with is I've watched the vast majority of them in the past six months start to really hone in on their loans of values. Um, so they're, they're, they've, they've started to take some losses, and as the wholesale market in my opinion, is going to continue to soften for the next 12 months. I think they're in fear of even bigger loss for repo. So the challenge is, is most of our subprime clients we sold two and a half years ago are still coming in with some negative equity. So it's a challenge to put that person into a pre-owned car and stay within some of these LTV guidelines. So I think what you might see as a trend going forward is some of these uh, new vehicles that have heavier incentives being utilized to sell that what used to be a pre-owned subprime customer and put them into a subprime new car um, so that they can chew up some of that advance with, with the rebate. It could be interesting as that evolves. Um, personally, I know that a couple of the large ones uh, have some uh, internal conversation going on right now where they really are listening on their, their higher-risk loans. They're going to continue to fight on LTVs because they can see their the, the margins of loss pretty Let me ask you, Bill. I mean, you guys are a big subprime uh, um, dealership as well. You obviously you said you're you know you love gross and 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 you you believe in, in making some money. So I mean, is it still because we're talking to three? I mean, I think our listeners. Um, you know, we don't we don't like to have anybody on the show that's not aggressive and strong. So you guys are obviously hammers and, and successful dealers and dealerships. But um, the, the dealers that are listening right now that may not be moving as many units and um, I mean, doesn't it still come down to, you know, um, the fact that this takes some creativity because, you know, what Matt's talking about, you know, with um, some dealers may stay away from it because you're looking at it and you're going, OK, well, I have a customer because I'm advertising to that customer. They're coming in. So I'm risking ticking them off forever because, you know, I can't get them bought 
and they came in because they were interested, you know, because I'm advertising to them, but that, you know, to stay in these guidelines, you know, the LTV guidelines and stay in this, you know, to basically put this deal together. Doesn't it still take that relationship and that creativity? And would you, would you think this is a good time, Bill, for some dealers to aggressively get into this market if they're not, or maybe, uh, or is it a time to, that you're going to, we're going to see dealers maybe shrink back even more and it leaves more room for the aggressive. Is that, is that, it makes sense? Yeah, I don't see anything that's that's showing the subprime banks pulling back. Um, they do tend to move in cycles. Um, one bank will be strong for a four to six month period. Uh, they'll have some uh, loan losses. They'll pull back. Another one will step right in and, and fill the void. Uh, I think that uh, on the flip side, much like we were talking about with the vendors, uh, it comes down to a relationship. It's the same thing with your banks. I, I think if you want to do um, a lot of business, uh, I think guys make mistakes of having 20 banks, 25 different banks, and sign up every guy who knocks on their door. And especially subprime, these deals take time to work. Mm-hmm. they got to be pieced together. Um, so the better thing in my mind is having five or six really strong lenders that you can have a large portfolio with. You can balance the portfolios, spread the, the A paper with the D paper. Um, you know, we, we've had real good success with some of the, the more full-spectrum lenders, Capital One, Wells Fargo, uh, buying very, very deep. Uh, but, you know, you have to offer them some of the A paper, too, to offset the losses. Uh, I, I don't see any reason why the subprime uh, market is going to uh, disappear anytime soon, mm-hmm. uh, especially as more and more people seem to be falling into it. Uh, I do think John's dead on. Um, maybe the difference between now and... Um, pre-recession uh, is the LTVs. Um, you're not seeing the same level of no-doc loans. You're not seeing the same level of crazy advances. Uh, the banks have really started getting smarter uh, with uh, PTI, DTI, payment caps, and, and just making sure that um, they're going to buy a tough deal, but they're going to make sure that the customer uh, has at least the ability to pay. That's good. We're going to have a couple more minutes because I know you guys are you guys are busy as well, so we're going to go to Cribs here and let him kind of pose a question that we can uh, get you guys all to weigh in on a couple of minutes and, uh, and close out. And, um, and, and just one thing too, to think about, I'd like to, I'd like to maybe just ask or just following up on the uh, subprime and then uh, maybe one of you guys can, can weigh in on this on your closing thoughts. But I mean, is it, is it beneficial? I mean, what, you know, are these banks fees, you know, I mean, these, these VIGs, are they, is it is it is it worth some is, is it is it still we are we in a place where there's somebody that strong this worth that type of fee too you know in other words um you know kind of talk a little more about this this turns me on i like talking about subprime we had somebody tweet in that says subprime loans have been 60 to 90 days delinquent higher than ever you know so we're having a lot of conversation on this from uh from social media but cribs um in addition to that what would you like them to talk about in closing well, actually, I'd, what I'd like to hear, I mean, all three of these gentlemen are steering the ship, if you will, at the dealership. They're responsible for the dealer's future, and I'm sure they're thinking about that uh, constantly. And I would like to hear uh, from each of you, you know, what is it that is a concern that you look at, you know, two years, three years, four years down the road? What are you thinking about right now that you have to have in place or something you want to avoid or something you want to add to your business in the next coming or next few years, John. Well, um, you know, several things. One, one that top of my head is the fact that you have a lot of public money going after these uh, startup uh, used car operations, 
and uh, you know the BBs and and different things like that. But the newest one is going to be Uber. Um, we are an authorized Uber dealer at Sun Toyota, and they just made a uh, announcement, a public announcement, that they're going to be opening up Uber showrooms in every major city in the country and basically offer pre-owned vehicles, no new vehicles, so they don't have an issue with franchise laws. And they're going to be basically leasing uh used cars to uber drivers or people that want to become the uber drivers um so it's just an additional threat and then you know some of these independents that want to deliver a car give people a 10-day exchange policy you know when you have public money you can take one-time write-offs you can manipulate the books a little bit and charge recon to advertising and not post it to the car there's different things you can do and you know amazon has proved you can be very unprofitable for a very long period of time and investors really don't care um we get a financial statement at the end of every month and if our grosses aren't good and our net the grosses in 30 percent uh either we're beating ourselves up or our owners beating us upon the head mm-hmm. yep and then uh matt lasco that's good well, you know, we um, I, I agree with John. There's a lot of outside influences. So uh, one of the areas that we feel uh, as a franchise we're going to have major control on is uh, the, the fixed operations world. So we uh, are going to continue to grow our parts department uh, to where we can serve independent repair places, uh, wholesale, et cetera, not just with the, the top-line Ford product, but with whatever product we have that we can be a distributor of. Uh, and we're going to also really – We've increased our service department from seven technicians to 40 technicians in the past three years. Uh, and, and every single one of those technicians is at full capacity, turning 40, 50, 60, 80, 100 hours. Um, so we think that as the product has continued to become more complex, that the franchise dealer might have an edge going into the future uh, against any outside influence or third party trying to repair those cars. Uh, so we're going to continue to grow that area and focus on letting the public know what we can do to service their car. And in the in the entire environment of it, delivering such an experience is good that they'll continue to come back. And we're very much like uh, the, the other two dealers on the show today. We live in our service lane. We've got our own uh, team that works on uh, resale out of the service lane. And what we've learned is as you build that service department, you bring in a lot of conquest clients that have never – bought from you but now they're servicing and then they become an internal opportunity to actually sell them in the future so we think that's one of our biggest areas of growth going forward that's good mr bill feinstein you know um i I try not to worry about the the things i can't control uh you know this business has uh, seen many uh, third-party interlopers over the years and uh, some have been successful and some have ended up uh, like uh, Frogger in the middle of the highway. I'm, I'm you know, not going to worry over much about uh, some of these startups right now. What we are going to worry about is uh, things that are in our control. Right now there's some macroeconomic, macroeconomic signals that are a little concerning to us. Uh, we're starting to get our house in order. Uh, trimming some of the fat, really looking at all of our uh, cost centers, all of our processes, making sure that we can do a little more with a little less. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's a matter of uh, if there's going to be a recession. I think it's just a matter of when. 
and, and we'd rather be lean and mean going into it than um, digging our head in the sand. And I think, um, you know, I hate to say we're kind of looking forward to it, um, but uh, we've always thrived a little more in a down economy. We tend to get really, really uh, aggressive uh, when a lot of guys are pulling the reins in. It's, to me, it's a great opportunity to grab market share. So, uh, you know, we're, we're getting ready to make sure that our house is on order when uh, things get a little rough here. We're, uh, we're ready to rock and roll. Awesome. Awesome. We're going to do this, uh, guys. I, we're going to let you guys go. But before we do, um, after we're going to we're going to bring on uh, our guest that's going to come on after you guys get off. She's going to be with us for the last part of the show after you guys. And um, we're going to bring her on and give her a chance to ask you guys a question. And then we're going to uh, let you guys go. Then we're going to go to commercial and we're going to come back with Subi. But Subi goes. She's a vice president. Uh, VP over at Dealer Authority. She's coming on um, again uh, after the commercial break to talk for uh, about 10 minutes or so with us about some of the things that we talked about with you to kind of weigh in on it. But she had a question. I want to bring her on now. And uh, Subi, thanks for joining us a little early. And uh, before we let Bill, um, Matt, and John go, um, why don't you ask your question and, and uh, maybe get one of them to answer it, and then uh, and then we'll come back and talk to you some more. <clears throat> I mean, to be honest, it was really right in line with what Bill was talking about. I was, you know, experts and pundits are saying that we're likely headed to one of the worst automotive recessions of our time. And what can people do um, within management roles to proactively look at that? We can't control everything that happens around us. We can't control the election drawing people away from us and so forth. But what can we do proactively to overcome the decline in sales. Uh, and I think they'll touch down that a little bit, but maybe we can dive into that a little bit more. Yeah, did Matt, do you or John have maybe a comment on that before we uh, let you guys go? Does anybody want to tackle that? Maybe just... Well, I, I, I don't... Someone said this best, you know, the Ubers, the Lyfts, and everyone else, it, it's just these cars, right? So I don't see the automotive industry going into a spiral. And honestly, I think that there's so much else going on in our economy in the positive way that it's just not going to be as easy to do great business. You're going to do one $99 forever and make money. You're going to have to sell a car, sell a quality car, fix a car, uh, do a lift kit on a truck, uh, do a 200 kit on a Mustang. You're going to have to maximize every opportunity and then squeeze a little bit out of everything you can gain profit on throughout the sale. Uh, it's like going into the, the, the gas stations that are the big Taj Mahals. They're not making the money on the $1.09 gas. They're making the money on everything they surround their client with. And I think car dealers are going to have to take this giant property and huge building we have and learn how to offer lots of great things inside of it that can produce revenue for us. If we do that, then we'll roll through the, the automotive economy just fine. Hmm. Thank you, Matt. Yeah, let's go to John for a closing comment. Great answer. Um, you know, uh, Bill and Matt are spot on with that, um, you know, expense reduction, cutting out the fat, non-productive employees, uh, looking at, and then, and then Matt's exactly right with increasing revenue every area. I mean, we're looking at, you know, ways that we could legally and compliantly um, increase our growth, uh, increase our loyalty, uh, increase our retention, uh, increase the products that we sell. Uh, you know, for instance, our accessory department, uh, when we took over to Toyota store, they did 15, 20 grand a month. We're now doing 150 grand per month. And that was simply nobody was really trying. And there was, there was a bunch of revenue just sitting out there 
that nobody was taking advantage of. Um, looking at your finance department, making sure you're a minimum of 1500 a copy and two products per deal. And if you're not uh, taking the steps to, to, to get there and, and making sure that your, your fixed operation, you know, some states allow it and some states don't. But if your state allows it, you need to make sure that you applied and, and work for your warranty uplift on both your cost side and your labor side. You could be leaving four or five hundred thousand dollars a year on the table if you haven't done that, and your state allows it. So, I mean, these are the things you just got to look into and just figure out every way to, you know, take advantage of every aspect of uh, revenue generation. Yeah, hey, John, real quick, that uh, that f- that move from fifteen grand a month to one hundred and fifty grand a month on accessories was that just on fresh deliveries? Correct. They are not preloaded items. They are pure sales after the customer says yes. Nice, nice. And Bill, closing comments? Well, you know, uh, I think the the guys hit on it uh, perfectly. It really is about expense control. And and for us, you know, we did an exercise yesterday. We, We listed every single employee at the dealership, figured out what they did, who they worked for, and is it someone we're going to need going forward? Uh, and are they being productive? Are they being as productive as they need to be? Uh, and because at the end of the day, you know, your biggest asset and your biggest expense is, is the headcount and the people who work for you. And if you've got a great team, you know, you'll be able to weather the storm. Uh, but if you've got a lot of fat and guys aren't producing, you, you can have some problems going forward. Great. Well, thank you, gentlemen. Let's go I was, I, no, I was just gonna. I was gonna make a. a you know, everybody talks about all multiple, you know, maybe multiple products or revenue streams within the dealership. I got two words for you guys, and you guys can run with it if you want. Farmers market. <laughs> just a suggestion. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, all right. <laughs> On that note, Bill, Matt, John, man, thank you guys for being with us, and uh, really do appreciate the time that you guys dedicated to. I'm sure helping a lot of people. And I uh, took plenty of notes myself, man. It's, I just, I think that, I think one of the things I'm going to leave you guys with is that, you know what, what you're listening to right now are three people who, who, um, when, when they're poised, posed with the question, what happens when things get tough? You, the answer basically get tougher. Yeah. You know, you just do better. Mm-hmm. You just, you just hustle. You just work. You just make something happen. You, you innovate, you know, you, you get, you know what I'm saying? You win, you keep going, you don't give up, you don't stop. So that's what I hear. That makes me feel good. And uh, as, an, as an American. But anyway, man, thank you guys so much and, and uh, for being with us and taking time out of your extremely busy schedules. And, Subi, don't go anywhere because uh, the next up, right after this commercial, we're going to talk some more with Subi Ghosh and, uh, and pick her brain. Yep. So the next up, we're going to take a look at the commercials. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining us here on the principal's office today. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having us on. Thank you. Thank you. Jason Rice from Lotpop, and let me tell you what we do to help dealerships increase the used car sales 20 to 30 percent in gross and volume. Three areas we focus on, trend reports, we look at weekly trends that no one else is trending to make adjustments on our inventory. Two is we do weekly review calls to review those trends, but also we dig through every car that needs to be price adjusted to increase the searches. And three, we do a virtual lot walk, make sure every car is standing tall in line and make sure we don't have bad photos like these. Check out our website, lotpop.com our blog at automotivevolution.com and our weekly video tips at increaseturn.com. Thanks.
Service Group has over 40 years of experience empowering dealerships to grow profits, develop personnel, and provide their customers with a high level of service. We offer high quality products, world-class servicing, and innovative training and technology. Meet our team, first class trainers, the best account managers, and an executive team that's second to none. This is your service group team. We look forward to giving your people the power to perform. The We Get It series is a set of customer-driven videos highlighting real reasons to buy from your dealership. This series features real car buyers digitally inserted into your showroom to create a unique but authentic message that your customers will relate to. At What's Next Media, the footage we produce and customer opinions that we have on file are compiled with your custom scripts, music, graphics, logos to create an effective and uniquely affordable set of custom videos. Let us do all the hard work. You take all the credit. Hi, I'm Chip Perry. Earlier this year, we made a pledge to dealers that outlined some major changes designed to make TrueCar a more positive place for you to do business. I can't say enough how valuable your feedback has been and how much we believe that your ongoing advice and guidance will enable us to continue to improve our service to you in meaningful ways. On behalf of everyone at TrueCar, I want to sincerely thank you for your support and guidance while we are making these fundamental changes needed to ensure that TrueCar works better for you. See more at truecar.com slash pledge. And we're back. We're back. And uh, you just heard our sponsors. Thank you very much to our sponsors. And we've got the next up, which is Subi Ghosh. With dealer authority whoop, and Subi, you were in. Hello. The print, uh, hello. How are you? Well, you were in the good. Good. Thank you. You were in the principal's office. So, what did you learn when you came out of there? <laughs> good one. In real life, I've never. He's been, been working on that for a while. Learning experience <laughs> for me. Um, I, I I learned quite a bit. I think it's important um, for everyone to kind of see what happens at the top. I don't, for, for people in that role, I think it's great to hear from successful people that are in that role. But for everyone else, I think, I think people just are in that one track mind of this is my department and this is what I need to achieve that they don't see kind of a big picture. So I liked hearing from all of them because what makes them so successful is that they're not just looking at sales numbers or lead numbers. They're successful because they're thinking outside the box. They're creating interesting bonuses uh, to work their way out of maybe challenges they have. And they're breaking the mold in what is typical for a dealership. So I think those kinds of things were exceptionally important, measuring performance, following through on promises, those kinds of things. That's good. What do you think, T? Yeah, I'm going to keep going because I've got notes. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you did take notes. I wanted to, I wanted you to weigh in on my farmer's market idea. But other than that, yeah, let's hear what, you, what else you have. I think with um, I think Bill talked about vendor selection. I think that's spot on. It's incredibly important to choose the right vendors based on reputation and what their products are. But I think it goes a, a step further than that because far too often we choose vendors based on our relationships and we overlook some of the things that we wouldn't had it not just been for that relationship. So I would ask, even if your friends, um, when I was on that side, I would. I would hold each of my friends to the fire. Regardless of how close we were, 
your product needs to evolve. It needs to have the right type of performance and hit the ROIs that we're looking for. And um, there needs to be a willingness to evolve to move forward with your product. So I would take that one step further when you're looking at vendors and, and who to pick and who to hold on to. If we truly are headed towards a recession, um, that's crucial. But I really loved Matt's explanation. Um, embracing the changes and not looking so pessimistically at what could be an impending recession, I think that's key, right? We, Bill said that we can't control everything around us, and that's so true. But to have a plan and to proactively prepare our dealerships for what could be is huge. A lot of people make these decisions off of a report they saw that is comparing this month to last month. But you've got to zoom out a little bit. Go 30,000 foot. Um, my last GM that I worked with taught me that because um, being the director of sales was totally different for me. But when you zoom out and you look at everything, not just how you've performed year over year and what trends are coming up because we've been evaluating our own data, but also a step further of what's going on in the, the world around us, what's going on in the region, those kinds of things do affect us. If anyone doesn't think that the way politics, uh, like the way people are reacting to politics now isn't keeping them off of social media or isn't because of people's fears they're not pursuing uh, big retail purchases as much as they would be. Mm-hmm. You're kind of lying to yourself. So you should be looking at all of those things, those big things that can still affect a retail environment. So um, you, those are some things that I would definitely did you did you have any did you have any notes or any feedback on um, John and Matt specifically when we were talking about the question on the short deals and you know and, and uh, maybe having a uh, you know a desk a desk manager you know risk that they're going to pass on them and both of them had similar uh, basically I would call it an incentivized I mean almost like an incentivizing plan to to uh, because what Bill Feinstein said is inevitably going to happen. That's just part of the business. So Matt and John have, and I, I like that. I almost cut. I didn't want to spend more time on it, but I almost said you're listening to people who are doing something about what every dealer that's listening right now has an issue with, if you do it or not. You know, and so let me ask you this, Subi. I mean, is it? It's, it's at least they're proactively saying, hey, what can we do? You know, to make sure that we handle this 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 issue you know, passing on short deals, this issue with, um, you know, that, that we all face. And I just think that that just goes back to what you said a second ago where, you know, you got some people that are thinking out of the box and they're creative. Yeah. I mean, I, I like exactly, I like their position and the way that they go about it is coming up with creative <laughs> solutions. Any challenge, all of the things that you're talking about, all of these little challenges that everyone faces, Either we can do it exactly the way that we've been doing it and hope for a different result, or we can come up with things that motivate the people that are handling those things to react differently and create a different result. You can train people, you can coach people to have a different result if you give them a reason to and teach them how. So I think um, both John and Matt, the way they explained it, was was kind of perfect uh, and spot on to what we should be doing right now. Awesome. I know that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, it does. And um, I, I'm glad you came on live at the end. I'm glad you came on too and got a chance to to, to ask that question. That was a really good question, and I think it helped yeah. wrap up the panel perfectly. I think it's something that everyone's afraid of, right? Like when when experts are telling you that this is going to happen mm-hmm. and it's going to be worse than everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think a lot of people just get crippled with fear, but to hear people that are not only embracing it and saying, hey, this could be a really great opportunity for us, I'm looking at it in a very optimistic light, Mm -hmm. but also, like, here are some of the ways that we look at things and we treat these challenges um, and come up with out-of-the-box ideas. Ask around. There are so many people that are doing creative things like these guys that um, they're successful because of the way that they think. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I know they know, and I know that it's easy to Google your name and find you and all of that good stuff. But just in case they don't, tell our listeners um, how they can follow you, find you, listen to you, and uh, get a hold of you so they can reach out to you. Absolutely. You can follow me on Twitter at CB101, or you can just look me up on uh, Facebook, Suby Ghosh. I'm the only one in automotive that I know of. Um, and you can just Google me. Uh, but if you want to call or if you have any questions, I will absolutely give you my number. It's 716-480-6135. Um, and just connect. And not just with me, but with, with anyone that is out there speaking for automotive. Everyone seems to be willing to help. So connect with people. Thank you, Subi. Thank you so much for connecting with us today. And we appreciate your time. Look forward to seeing you Thank soon. You. Bye, Thanks, Subi. Subi. Well, you know, I love it, um, you know, having Subi on and, and talking about her. Something that, you know, I know we're, we're over time, but something that came uh, up with, uh, you know, when we were talking about um, Subi's question on the recession and, or, you know, just what, what do you suggest we do? And then, you know, some of the guys were talking about it. It's a really interesting thing because people don't like talking about it, you know. And, and you know, I'm, the, I'm, I'm that kind of guy that doesn't like, I don't want to talk about it. I'm not a doom and gloom guy at all. Right. You know, um, bottom line is, no matter what the climate is, you just have to do what you got to do. And I think that if you do that, you end up on top. But one of the things that Matt said that we really can't underestimate you, I know you followed up with a question, but you know, a few months ago when we were over at Brandon Honda and we did the remote show, I mean, you were there too. Mm-hmm. We were there at Brandon Honda and, and um, John just had taken over Sun Toyota and mentioned that live, started talking about some of these numbers about increasing his uh, accessories and, and some of these other things, I think parts and just really increasing some things. If you remember, and I can go back and listen to the tape and find out exactly, but it wasn't like he initiated some big ad campaign or he did and rolled out and like, you know, and, and spent all this money or it unveiled some giant like campaign. It was like, it was cutting fat. It was, it was, it was, it was changing a personnel, a person that had never done it before, but had the right attitude and replacing it with a stagnant person that thought they had done everything they could. And it was just a couple of shifts like that. And those two shifts, if you look at it during this time where business, some people are worried about business slowing down, John's increasing exponentially. So I think that that's an amazing testimony to what it takes, um, what happens when you think out of the box, you know, and when you go after it, what do you think? Well, I could go, <laughs> honestly, I could go on and on about what he's done at that store. Um, there's so many things that, that kind of stick out in my, in my, in my head about some of the things I've including heard, but the hat. That's just including, high including the hat. But one high thing, one that thing I'll mention about, uh, one thing <laughs> he said I'll, it. He said it. one thing I'll mention about, um, the dealer principles today and, and the comments in regards to that question is, you know, when, when John first answered and spoke and brought up, um, you know, the Uber thing and he brought mm-hmm. up, um, what sounded like Carvana and, mm-hmm. uh, some of those, uh, publicly traded companies that are kind of, you know, putting their, putting their hands in the till, if you will. Um, I didn't sense the fear. What I sensed there was, hey, it's more of an awareness. Like, hey, mm-hmm. this is going on. This is coming. Have mm-hmm. a plan. Get it right. Yeah. And so that you don't, you're not affected by it. And then we flipped over to Matt and we heard the answer because yeah. Matt said, hey, 
you know, here's what I recognize. They're not going to be able to do step one, two, three, four, mm -hmm. you know, and follow an owner through the ownership process. Well, if, you, and they're preparing if you recall the question you asked, and it is, if you recall the question he asked, it was, it was, it was actually exactly that. Because it, mm -hmm. it wasn't, hey, John, what do you fear the most? What do right. you see as the negative? It was a question along the lines of what next? What, what do you see yourself adding to your dealership and doing next to stay on the cutting edge, so to speak, to continue to grow? Correct. So what John was saying, and he didn't get around maybe to saying everything, everything was his answer was, Hey, this is what's going on. So I need to, I need to find a way to do it in my store. Right. I exactly. need to find a way. And I've said that and you and I talked about this a lot dealerships, you know, um, why, I mean, look, the internet man is, is we're, we're on the internet. You know what I'm saying? Interwebs too. Hello. Yeah. I mean, you know, so the, the internet's words. the internet brother put together a platform and a plan. Why can't a dealership be their own internet, you know, department? Why do you need a Carvana or something of that nature? And, um, you know, right. and so, so that, that, that doesn't matter. It's just a process and getting a process down. So, mm -hmm. I also really loved, by the way, mm -hmm. the fact that um, John brought up the that desegregation of these different departments because I, I think that that that's a, an issue that has been around for so many years where mm -hmm. we work in separate departments and we work in separate departments. Yeah, and you know I think mm -hmm. you have to have one experience, one atmosphere, one culture, and seamless handoffs and everyone really needs to understand the mission of everyone else in a dealership you know people ask why do you sometimes we have a lot of the same guys on you know especially when it gets to these dealer principles and we have some new guests on i think four uh dealer principles on next week and we have some some new faces and of course bill feinstein's been on once but he's a fairly new face but one of the reasons we do that is is <laughs> we work with a lot of dealers we could have a lot of dealers on the show but you know, we, John Marazzi, Matt Lasco, we have people on that I think are forward thinking and forward moving. And one of the things I've always admired about John is it's almost like he listens to the show or if he doesn't, he listens to the people who are on it and he listens to people that are saying some of the similar things. Because John, if you, if you read between the lines, what he's saying by bringing some of these things together is he's, he's experimenting with this BDC hybrid salesperson that's not separate and unplugged from everything else in some other layer. He's, he's really, truly trying it and it's working for him. He's, he's turned his store into a machine. And so is Matt. Matt's doing things that are unorthodox by dealership standards that are selling him dozens of additional cars every month. He's, he's killing it on the phone. I'm not talking about BDC and internet. He was on a couple of weeks ago on owning the phone. Matt is literally owning the phone. He is has an inside sales platform in his dealership. And I'm, I'm telling you, man, there's some serious, crazy, cool stuff going on. And uh, we're going to get to know what Bill Feinstein's doing more. But, you know, John, Tommy, it's it's having some of the guys that are moving the needle on. And honestly, I learn something every time. It's like reading the Bible or something. Every time you read it, you learn something. I'm, every time I got John on, every time I have Matt on, every time I got these guys on, I learn something myself. And it's the same people. Why? Because they're always moving forward iron sharpening iron man so if you're listening hey give me somebody better that we need to have on and this is one of the few places maybe the only place where right. you were <laughs> as you know that dave one of the things i think about is the people who are at the sales level the bdc level the um you know whatever department you're in at a dealership they're oftentimes as employees there, you're, you're not privy, privy to these conversations mm -hmm. that the GMs are having with the GSMs and, the, yeah. and, and whatnot. And here, you're privy to it on Auto Dealer Live, right. and it's, it's yep. a really cool thing. <clears throat> it's true. It's a good point. It's a really good point. That's it. What say you? Well, I think we did it. I think we came, we saw, we conquered. That's what we're here to do. Show us your guns, man. Come on, give, give us a little bit. 
Just give, give, give me a little bit, man. A little bit one time. Just one time. Nah, they don't want it. One time. They don't want to see it. Come it's on, okay. Do it's okay. It's all right. Nah. Do the Hogan. Do the Hogan. Tommy. Tommy. Come on. Do a dab. Dab. Do a dab. I tell my kids all the time when they dab, I'm like. Dab. Dab. It's dab. Yeah. That's what I said. Dab. Do a dab. What I said. You think it's that? Is that no? What's a dab. Is that dab. like a dog? Can you put it up on the, no, on the screen? Dab. No, I'm not dabbing. First of all, I tell my kids. Right, either one or the other. You put your. You I'm one not. Gun, <laughs> one gun or dab. Come on. I'm not right. gonna do it. Either. Come on, man. Give me a gun. Why don't you do a gun? gun, gun. Yeah. Is a gun. that like a plank? Come on, guys. We got dab. 30 seconds. Give me a gun. Give me a gun. Somebody, give me a gun, Dave. Come on. Do it. Do it. It's a small set, Dave. Come on. Oh, look at that. Oh, boom. Tommy, don't get. Scary. He just showed us his neck. I got neck muscles to flex, son. All right, guys. Hey. Don't fret. Don't forget. Don't, don't fret. fret. Don't forget. Don't that's, forget. That's, that's don't fretting fret. and forgetting at the same time. Next week, we have Principal's Office Part 2. Who's going to be on? Yeah, stay tuned. It's really cool. We got some good guys and gals on next week. We got uh, Subprime. We got How to Increase Your ROI for Marketing Dollars coming up here soon. The next few weeks, BDC to Floor Sales 101 and Sales and Service Collaboration. We'd love to have you on the show. Um, if you're interested, get a hold of us. Thank you can call me so directly. You can call me at my desk. Yeah. Look up the number on my web on the websites. IPDmail.com. IPDmail.com. I'm the senior executive vice president in charge of second what? Of your desk. I don't have any. I'm at my desk. <laughs> <laughs> and if you have a sales team or a desk man in your service drive, we want to hear from you as well. Mm. Yes, we do. We want you on that show. What do you say, gents? It's on. It's off. It's See on. you later. God bless you. Good night. Bye.